in August, basically, I told myself I wanted to stick with YouTube for one year and publish between 50 to 100 videos in that year. So that's either two videos a week or one video a week. Um, and I told myself I would not overthink. I wouldn't doubt anything. I wouldn't strive for perfection. I would just prioritize getting the videos out and making sure they were as good as they could be based on my situation at the time. Welcome to Behind the Upload. In this podcast, I chat with entrepreneurs and creators that are doing awesome things with video to grow their brand, and I extract tips and tactics that you can use yourself. I am Joey Dowd, video producer, founder of New Territory Media, and your host. In this episode, I chat with Dea from Digital Business Manager Bootcamp. Digital Business Manager, or DBM, is a program to train people on how to help business owners and entrepreneurs more efficiently operate their business. Dea also has a YouTube channel which ties into this, focusing on entrepreneurship, freelancing, and digital business management. In this episode, we'll talk about Dea's YouTube journey, how she built out an efficient system to publish two videos a week, how she learned to be more comfortable on camera, and how she's been building out a flywheel of content that is helping her grow her brand and business. For all the show notes, links, and transcript, head over to BehindTheUpload.com. Now, enjoy my chat with Dea. Well, cool. Hey, Dea. Thanks hey. for joining me. <laughs> Thanks for having <laughs> me. <laughs> I guess maybe some background context. We're in a business mastermind group together. So we've been talking about some of this stuff before. Mm -hmm. But I think what you're doing with YouTube is really interesting. And so, um, yeah, I'm so glad that you could join. And we can talk about YouTube stuff. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited. So, right now I'm like deep in YouTube, so I'm excited to talk about it as well. <laughs> that's okay. Good. So maybe it's like a YouTube therapy session. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's some like background info. Uh, just tell me about your story yourself and and uh, DBM. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, I think probably a familiar story for many people who have their own business. But you know, um, yeah, straight out of the university, I had done everything I think I was supposed to, you know, straight A's on a roll anxiety about university, I was doing a six month internship at a big four consulting company when I came to this like terrifying realization, like I can't do this. And I remember thinking, how is everyone else doing this? Like doing this for the next like 40, 50 years of their life. Like I couldn't even do it for the next 40 days. Super exhausted, bored, unfulfilled. I was thinking, you know, there has to be something else. Like there has to be an alternative. So I like called up my best friend Google and I was like, what else can I do? I found freelancing and I was like, I don't know, let's check it out. I don't know if it's financially sustainable, but somehow by magic and hard work, it, it ended up working out. So I started freelancing full time, um, started in project and content management. Then I moved into this role of being a digital business manager, where I was essentially helping CEOs and small digital business owners, mostly at the six and seven figure mark with managing their businesses, the day to day operations, all the projects, ensuring things went as planned, that things actually happened, um, the team making sure they had everything they needed to succeed and ops. So creating the processes and systems so that everything was well oiled in the back end um, and that they were capable to scale. Um, and after four to five years of doing that, I began secretly creating an online course to teach others how to do this role, you know, um, how to be a digital business manager. And I launched that course in business in 2020. And running that business has been what I've been doing since. That's the long story long. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, where did you get the idea to sort of turn your because basically turning this stuff into a course, you're kind of turning your skill set that you're building, however, 
per project or hourly or daily right. or something that's that ends up being finite into like okay now you're going to turn that into a, a course yeah How did you develop that idea yeah good question actually most of the clients i was supporting like i started niching into online course creators that i was supporting so i was getting really the front row seat to how it all works behind the scenes how you like build the course up i was like helping project plan the building of the courses the curriculum the how do we start a community for the course how do you sell this course how do you create this repeatable system to support the course and students and everything so i was really I feel like getting, yeah, a good insight and learning on somebody else's dime almost of like all the do's and don'ts. And then slowly I started thinking, you know, is freelancing realistic for me long term? What do I want my life to look like in five years? Potentially I should create a backup plan in case, you know, I'm burnt out or something like that. And then I started being like, hmm, I feel like it was always in the back of my mind a little bit, but I was always too afraid to do my own thing. Um, but I did get a lot of questions from like clients that wanted to hire me and I was fully booked. So I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know. Um, uh, I can't help you. And they'd be like, do you know anybody else who does what you do and the way that you do it? And I was like, I don't know. Like I'd have to go dig for somebody and everything. And then on the other side, I was getting a lot of junior people working online being like, Dea, how do I learn to do what you do? Um, do you have any trainings or anything like that? And I would just go on calls with them and talk to them about what I did and everything. And I was like, there's got to be a way to make this more efficient for everybody <laughs> <laughs> and started creating the course. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for you, that's just like, I need, I need to figure out a system to it, train yeah. people and then I can just charge for my system, which is a course. <laughs> yeah. I'm, systems is like my jam. I'm always thinking, I think yeah. it comes from like a very deep laziness of like, there has to be an easier way to do this. There has to be. I'm going to figure it out so that I don't have to do this forever. Um, but yeah, love it. <laughs> yeah, I was um, I really into life hacking when it became like a thing in mm -hmm. like the mid 2000s. And but it was funny because it was like, yeah, it wasn't really about being efficient. It's just because I, I'm just lazy and I just want to do stuff quicker. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with that either. <laughs> so is the was building out that course, was that your first foray into video or had you done video stuff before um good question i i've dabbled i've always been very interested in video i when i was in high school i was really into photography very into videography i did courses about it as well but like only filmed like very hobbyish videos um and i had always had this like secret dream i feel like most people who grew up with youtube have this secret dream of like oh, i want to be a youtuber you know and, and over time i told myself that was not realistic and you should like go and do normal stuff and um, i actually did start a youtube channel way back when and then some of my friends found it at university and i was so embarrassed that i deleted the whole channel and all the videos on it which is so sad to me now to look back on and it's really shown how much i've grown like mindset wise but um, so like I've dabbled in it a lot, but never felt brave enough to take it seriously, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you mentioned the mindset thing, but what was, uh, uh, yeah, we can talk about that, but like what kind of shifted or what, what was you, what were you feeling before? And then how did that, how are you feeling now? And I guess this, does this tie into like being on camera and just kind of presenting yeah. yourself? Yeah. hundred percent. Like I think, I don't. Uh, maybe it's like this for everybody, but I feel like being on camera for me is a very big mental 
there's like a barrier, like there's a lot of friction for me to work up the energy to sit down in front of a camera because I think it's like I was thinking about why it's such a big deal for me. I think it stems from like perfectionism for sure. Like I'm already such a perfectionist about content, about making sure I'm not wasting people's time of like delivering value in the best way possible, succinct, concise, editing, everything. So like the content itself is already such a big thing I want to make perfect. And then when you're sitting in front of the camera, you have to make yourself perfect, which is so unrealistic because like nobody's perfect. So I'm thinking like, I need to make sure my personality is perfect. I need to make sure the way I'm coming across is perfect. My energy needs to be perfect. I need to look perfect. And all these things like kind of like unravel into this horrific thing in my head that was like, it's too much resistance. Um, And that was the biggest struggle for me. Yeah, for sure. Camera energy drain. Uh, how do you feel like it, oh, you overcame that? Yeah, I think it's just doing it and realizing it's really not that serious. Like people are not thinking about you nearly as much as you think they are. We have the spotlight effect. Like I've, and then I started thinking, have I ever thought, like, have I ever watched somebody's YouTube video and thought, wow, her hair doesn't look so perfect or she's not really coming across perfectly or why is she doing that? Or like never in my life have I thought that, you know? And like, if I'm not thinking about that, about that, about anybody else, why would they, unless they're super bored, why would they come and think that about me? And like, am I really going to let that keep me from doing something in my gut I knew was the right thing to do and I knew was the right move for my business and personally to have this like video outlet and to build essentially a brand that has more of a face-to-face connection with people who want to get to know me and everything. And I just came to this point of no return where I was like, okay, enough. Like that stuff, it's so irrelevant. It does not matter make this commitment and we're just going to try it out for one year. And then we can decide after that one year, if you want to continue. And that commitment is what got me to start back in August. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you set a higher goal or like a mission. You have the mission of putting this stuff out there. And then it's like, well, in order to fall through on that mission, you have to be on camera. So like, that's what you got to do. Is that kind of like exactly an accurate mindset? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, it's just like you gotta you gotta do the things for sure. Yeah. And I think that commitment helped me the most because once I made that commitment, I kind of locked myself in and I was like, it allowed me to stop overthinking because I was like, you've made the commitment. You're not even gonna think about like doubting, you're not gonna overthink about quitting, you're not gonna think about you're just gonna do it. And then we'll see. Like one year is really not that long in the grand scheme of your life, you know. Yeah. So tell me about the the commitment that you made. The what is the commitment? Yeah. What is Yeah, in August, basically, I told myself I wanted to stick with YouTube for one year and publish between 50 to 100 videos in that year. So that's either two videos a week or one video a week. Um, And I told myself I would not overthink. I wouldn't doubt anything. I wouldn't strive for perfection. I would just prioritize getting the videos out and making sure they were as good as they could be based on my situation at the time. Um, like as I was gaining resources and like money and could invest in people and stuff like that, like whatever my situation was at that time, I was just doing the best that I could. Um, and that was good enough. And, uh, yeah. And that really helped me. Cause I was like, okay, I'm not even going to think about all these other things anymore. Like all the mindset voices and everything. They're so, they, I just had to quiet them all down and be like, we're just doing this for one year. It's an experiment, you know, businesses is an experiment anyway. And yeah worked really well. <laughs> Did you have any other um, um, goal? Uh, anything else around that? Or was it just like publish 50 to 100 videos? Yeah, like hit publish, make sure I hit that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting, because when I first started, I think I wanted to set goals. I'm, I'm always somebody who wants to set goals. But 
I didn't want to set like, I feel like the traditional goals that people normally associate YouTube with, you know, like subscriber count, views, maybe like watch hours to get monetized or something. I was very hesitant to set goals on that because I knew if I set those goals, I would drive myself crazy checking those things in the beginning, which is really when it does not matter. And you shouldn't be checking those things in the beginning because the results are so lagging, you know? Um, And so I set goals around how many videos I outputted, how proud I am of the value and the content, um, how many nice comments and the substance of the comments we were getting from people of whether the videos were helpful or not, and how much fun and like joy I could get out of the process. And those were the things that I chose to focus on. And I think that's a, that made a huge difference because I'm very like eye on the prize. So knowing that those are the prizes and those are my success factors, I think made it work longer term. And um, yeah, just I just know if I had over-focused on subscribers or view count, things that I think are way less in my control, it would have made the process a lot more difficult. Um, and when I can just focus on the things that are within my control, how many videos, how good they are, then, you know, it's just easier. Yeah, for sure. Um, when, when you started making the videos, or I mean, even the, vi- the videos today, like what are the videos about and how did you decide what to make videos about? Yeah, so we have three pillars. That's freelancing, digital business management, and general entrepreneurship. Digital business management, because it's the most obvious one, needs to be directly tied to our business. We wanted to generate an ROI of some kind eventually. Um, Freelancing, because I think digital, DBM stuff, I'm just going to abbreviate it so it's faster. DBM stuff is not very high search volume. It's very specific and somebody has to Google for it and I don't think, or YouTube for it, and I don't think many people are doing that. So I thought freelancing would be a good idea because it's complementary to being a DBM because if you're a DBM, most of the time you work as a freelancer or contractor. So I figured the strategy or the thought process there was if somebody is curious about freelancing, they will come to the videos, watch and learn about how to be a freelancer. And then they're like, what can I, what skill set can I offer? And then, ooh, what does Dea do? Oh, a DBM, let me learn more about that. Or they're like, I want to be a DBM, but this freelancing thing is a huge hurdle for me because for a lot of people who've been working at a nine to five employee role, being a freelancer is a huge leap. Then I have that supporting content to be like, here's how you invoice clients. Here's how you raise your rates. Here's how you find clients, that kind of stuff. So that was the thought process behind that pillar. And then entrepreneurship, I wanted something for myself. Um, because that's the stage that I feel I'm at right now. And that's the content that I find very interesting personally. And I just wanted to make sure I had something in there that was supporting my interest um, in making videos too. Not that I'm not interested in the other things, but this is like really, I think my current stage in my business. Yeah. Yeah. I guess also something for you to like explore and then share what you're finding. As you started putting stuff out, have you found things that popped up like, oh, people resonated more with this and I didn't expect it. Or like, I know, I think one of your videos about Notion is one of your more popular videos. Did you find like, oh, mentioning specific product, uh, specific tool names, like people find that more easily. Uh, Yeah, what kind of stuff did you find out? For sure. Yeah, Notion, I I knew Notion would be popular Mm -hmm. because just Mm -hmm. Notion is so trendy right now. So I was like, okay, let me see how I can tie Notion to one of my pillars. So it's like a freelance weekly plan using Notion. Um, And then that did really well. And then we did another Notion video and another Notion video. I think we did three total. Um, So yeah, tools are really good. We also have a video on Dubsado that I think 
I like Googled it and I'm pretty sure it's on the first page of Google for that Dubsado like onboarding keyword. So I think that's quite good too because it's a very specific keyword. So I think like it has more longevity as well. Like that's something we definitely focused on is longevity of the videos over time and not kind of going for um, trendy stuff or super viral going stuff. We were more focused on what are people going to Google for the next three to five years on the topic of freelancing? Um, what are some of those big keywords we can try to hit? Uh, so yeah, that that has stayed roughly the same, but now we've kind of pivoted more to focusing, double downing basically on freelancing keywords specifically, because I really want to build something very robust that if somebody has any questions about freelancing, this channel is the one they should go to and they can learn everything that they want to know about freelancing. Um, and then from there, go wherever is the best fit for their path. Yeah. Have you been doing any uh, keyword research or any um, kind of more specific like metric stuff research as far as yeah. just kind of figuring out like oh, I want to make the video specifically about this keyword because I see this keyword is ranking high or has a lot of search yeah. volume. Yeah, a little like we we definitely do. I would say half of it is keyword research. Half of it is like gut feeling, gut check, knowing my audience, what they're asking me questions about and stuff. Um, so we use like TubeBuddy. We do like we check the keywords in Google. We check the keywords in YouTube. We check what other popular videos there are and kind of see what's going on with them. Um, if they're doing well, if YouTube is recommending them, that kind of stuff. Um, and then aside from that, a lot of it is because I feel like... Ugh, I feel like TubeBuddy is great, but I don't feel sometimes the keyword stuff is 100% accurate. Um, and so I think, like, yeah, the human component needs to come into play because, like, I... And I, after that, like, after the gut feeling, it's just, like, checking analytics, tweaking, optimizing. Um, that also obviously plays a role, too. Yeah, I don't trust any of them. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think they're a good gauge of just, like, oh, should I kind of go in this direction? But their numbers, I'm like, I yeah. don't know. Especially when I compare uh, TubeBuddy and VidIQ and they're like the same keyword and it'll be like, yeah, great one. And the other one will be like, nope, terrible. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You're like, okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if you looked into this, but uh, they YouTube just released a, like a research tab on their back end on analytics where you can, no, I don't sir, you can see keywords that your specific audience searches for. Ooh. And then it'll also show... Um, if there's like if they if there's like a lack in content, there's like a filter mm -hmm. where you can show like oh like content oh. gaps like people are searching for this keyword and we don't have a lot of videos about that. Um, oh, I love that. I'm, I'm guessing you haven't looked at that. Yeah, you should check it out. Okay, no. cool. Uh, but I was curious. Yeah, because I've Thank been uh, that came out a few weeks ago and I'm uh, I didn't find useful stuff on my channel, but <laughs> I'm curious if other people have found um, useful stuff. Um, okay, I'll yeah. take a look. There you go. So when you started the channel nine months ago and you started making the videos, what were the what was the early process like as far as like what you were doing, like roles you were doing for the videos and how the videos came to be? Yeah, I knew immediately that to start just like knowing how I work and everything that I would want a system in place that would make things streamlined so that I'm somebody who like, if I don't have clarity over the system or if things feel chaotic, I can't begin. Like I need, I'm like a planner, very type A and everything. So I was like, I need to have a system in place of how this is going to work, how this is going to be sustainable, especially if we want to create two videos a week, because I was, I'm still scripting two videos and filming two videos every single week. 
Um, and I knew immediately that I needed to let go of video editing and video editing, I actually personally really enjoy. And I find a lot of joy in like editing my own videos and being really creative, but I knew that it would be the biggest time suck ever because like, first of all, editing videos, you know, it's like, it takes forever. Like it's always two times, three times, four times, as long as you think it's going to take. And like, if you're a perfectionist about it, it's never going to be done, you know? And I just knew I could not pump out content if I was editing the videos. So I was like, I need to let this go and give it to somebody else. So that was very important to me, finding a video editor, creating a system of like um, ideas, generation, then outline, then script. Uh, and it was a lot of experimentation in the beginning. In the early processes, we were making a lot of weird... It was It was kind of bumpy because... I was getting a lot of conflicting information from a lot of people. You know, some people told me like, write a full script. Some people told me like, just do bullet points. And I was like, okay, I'll just do bullet points because that's obviously easier. And I can just talk like I, I like talking and stuff. So um, I would do an outline <laughs> and then the filming would take hours, like hours, like the sun would go down in the meantime, the battery would drain, I would be so annoyed. And you could tell that I was so annoyed because it was taking <laughs> so long, because I kept forgetting things. And I would like have to check the thing and go back. So like, I made a lot of mistakes there. And I think that's just part of it. And then like figuring out what is the what are the bottlenecks? What's the friction in this process, and then optimizing it and just making it work for how you work. Um, and so we've like kind of plugged a lot of those holes and now there's a lot less friction than, than when we first began for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was a nightmare. <laughs> well, um, I know. So now you do full scripts, right? Full scripts, like literally not even. Yeah, exactly. Like it's even beyond full script. It's like, if you imagine a script I like I write the script, then I go through and I will verbally read out the script and I will write in every single like even like things I like, um, yeah, anyway, so like those things I'll write into it so that when I read it, I can literally read it word for word and it doesn't sound robotic, you know, so that it sounds conversational. Um, there's a lot of things that we've done now to work with the teleprompter because also the teleprompter was an early thing where I was like, perfect, now filming is going to be so fast. And I would read it like, anyway, the next day I, you know, and I was like, that. I can't do that. You know, like it's so obvious. It's so not personable. And then I had to tweak that system of like, how can I use the teleprompter, but still make it look like I'm a real human being. So, so yeah, you a lot script of in the filler words to make yourself sound yeah. more natural. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. I, I put in filler words. I put in dumb jokes. Like when I um, read the script, sometimes I make jokes in my head of like, oh, that's stupid. Or like I mispronounced something. I'll write that same thing into the script. Whatever works. You got you got you got the the system figured out. And did you find <laughs> yeah, like it worked for me. <laughs> front loading cuz now you're spending like so much time on the script yes. and front loading it, but did you have you found like okay, even spending more time on the script has saved a lot more time in editing? Oh my gosh. Yes. My poor editor. I can't like, I feel so bad for her in the beginning times when it would just be absolute chaos. But more importantly, it saves me so much. Well, first time, but mental energy while filming. Cause I realized very quickly filming is the biggest bottleneck for me. It's the biggest friction point. If it's difficult, it's already difficult on its own. If I make it any more difficult, I will just like, it's just not, it's not going to happen. So I was like, I'd rather front load, make everything perfect for filming day. So that filming day, 
does not have a mental breakdown. She just sits down. She knows she gets it done and that's it. Rather than like on filming day being like, okay, I'm going to just look at this bullet point list and I'm just going to talk about, hopefully some things come to mind and I talk about what I meant to talk about. Um, and then, yeah, no, that was chaotic. Yeah. So front loading, the stuff really has worked very wonders for me. What other things have you found that helps um, free up the mental stress of filming? Yeah, um, a lot of stuff. Uh, definitely like managing my energy and my mood. Like I need to get myself into the headspace of like, you're going to film. You need to be like the most friendly extroverted version you can muster up of yourself. Um, I also always tell, like, if there are people around, I tell them like, don't say anything while I'm filming because you're going to derail me completely. If you say anything that's like, even, even if it's just a comment, like, oh, that was a weird thing to say. I'm like, I have to stop everything because filming takes so much drain out of me that like if I get any input, it just throws me off completely and I have to like take an hour to like calm down and everything. So like that definitely is good. Like just managing the environment and making sure the environment is conducive to filming good videos. Um, Yeah, having the script, definitely the biggest thing. What else? What about your setup? Have you figured, have you kind of like, figured out like a I don't know if you leave your stuff set up yeah. or if it's like just kind of like stuff's ready ready to go is that or or you, or you know this the setup yeah it's mostly ready to go also I finally found a, a, an area in my room in an area in our living space that is the exact angle lighting everything I want and now I just use that one I used to switch things up all the time and I would never be happy it would be a huge stress to set everything up in a new place test and like go back and forth between the camera and like make sure it looks good so that definitely helps as well um yeah definitely like having the actual setup ready to go is very very key uh it saves a lot of time and mental distress (laughs) and how has um sort of structuring your video evolved or like what things have you found work like i know in in the intros your videos you're like hey your time's precious so like feel free to like watch this at two speed and like click Mm -hmm. on the chapter links below to like jump to the part you want and Mm -hmm. so you kind of encourage people to like you know hey like skip around or double double time this um yeah are there other things like that that you found that you that you're like oh that seems to work better or like people seem to connect with that more or if like I do this thing with this the structuring the video like you yeah. know people people stick around longer yeah I, I we're definitely more focused on that now in the beginning I was just trying to like just get the videos out um now we're definitely more focused we're now doing heavy focus on the first 30 to 60 seconds as well as the thumbnail and title we're way more focused on that and just making sure we're getting to the point fast we're diving into the meat of the content we're really like I'm writing like three or four different hooks, like the intro and just like rereading them being like, which one is going to keep them the most interested. Um, my editor is also spending a lot more time on the first 30 to 60 seconds and making sure the editing is really snappy so that people don't click away. Cause we want to make sure our retention graph looks better. Um, but yeah, generally structuring content, I only really use two structures for YouTube videos. I use how to step-by-step. So like step one, step two, step three, or I do a listicle, like tip one, tip two, tip three. That's just, I, and I recommend that to everybody. I think free flow, open-ended structures 
are not just a nightmare for the person watching because people love structure. They like to know where we're at and what the big picture is and which part of the process we're in. But it's also easier for you because free flow is like so overwhelming, right? But if you have a topic and you can break it down into seven steps or into seven tips or seven hacks or whatever, that's automatically easier because then you're just writing each section at once instead of this mega monster thing. Right, people don't know where it's going to go or... yeah. Where, yeah, what, what the payoff is. Right. Um, with your, uh, uh, I want to get into scripts, but just real quick, like what's your gear setup like? Um, I have my teleprompter. I have um, the Canon G7X maybe? Let me pull it over. Yeah, the G7X. So I know it's a vlogging camera, um, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to make a lot of day in the lives videos. So I didn't want to invest like in a bulky, I have a DSLR that also films video, um, but I just wanted something a little bit more nimble and that I could take it on the go if I wanted. So that's the first one that I got. I mean, eventually when I hit certain like success metrics, I'll upgrade my equipment and everything. Lighting, I still use all natural light. I've been on the market contemplating buying good lighting, but now that I found a good angle with like our windows and everything, it's perfect so I don't really need the light I think um, I have a microphone like a stand microphone which is pretty good uh, that's it I think and a tripod yeah uh, I mean yeah I think it's good I think I saw one of your videos where you talked about your setup and it was like very basic but like yeah, super basic and yeah it just you know lets yeah. you crank out the videos so yeah. like it doesn't need to be complicated exactly you tell me about your so I mean you brought on a script writer can you tell me how you found them and sort of how the how you figured out a working relationship and balancing like introducing, you know, stuff, only stuff that you can talk about your stories and your info. Yeah. So I have two script writers that I use occasionally. I would say 90 to 95% of the videos I film are written by me, but um, I think there, is, there are advantages to having script writers. It's just, it's hard. Like it's, it's hard with any type of content for other people to learn exactly how your brand voice is. And especially with a personal brand, because with a brand, you can kind of still like make it more general, but with a personal brand, it's like very specific to you. Um, so I use, I basically divide up my scripts. Like most of my scripts are experience-based like, Oh, Dea did this and this is what happened. Um, so those things I write myself. Um, and then anything that's more research focused or emphasis on research topics, like for example, you know, Asana versus ClickUp versus Trello, which one is better? We're comparing features. Those ones I give to script writers because they can do the first draft, the research and everything. And then I can go in after and then add my voice. So that's kind of how I separate it is like research heavy things. I don't need to be the one doing that. Um, that's what I give to script writers. Okay, well, so kind of the technical stuff or the stuff that like someone yeah. could go out and research and yeah, exactly. It's not Daya does not have to be the involved. Pros and cons. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Daya needs to be involved in the stuff of Daya's day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then tell me about your editor and how you found your editor. Yeah, so my editor, I I feel like yeah, this tripped me up for a long time and kept me from starting because I knew I didn't want to start until I had an editor. Um, but I had this very specific vision for how I want my videos edited. And I don't know if this is just like super picky or pretentious or something, but I was like, this is the exact vision I have. And I couldn't find somebody who edited like that, uh, anywhere on like traditional platforms, like Upwork, Fiverr, um, in communities, like I put out job postings and I was just like, mm, it's not really quite what I want. And I really want my editing to be one of my unique selling propositions for my video 
for like my videos. It's like part of the brand. It's part of the vibe that I want people to feel when they watch the videos and everything. And it's also specific to my target audience. Um, and so I was like, I have to find somebody who edits like this. So there are a few YouTubers that I've been watching that edit in that similar style. So I just went into YouTube and I was like, how to edit like insert person here, insert the YouTubers that I like their editing style. And I found a bunch of people that made videos about how to edit like those people. Um, and one of them, I, I like found a bunch of them. And um, I basically just reached out via Instagram, DM'd like 10 to 15 of them. and was like, are you open to freelancing? Do you do freelance work? Um, maybe we could do a trial project. I'm thinking of starting a YouTube channel. Um, and they got back to me. And I did a trial project with, I think, one or two of them. Um, and one of them worked out super well. She is in high school from Poland. She's amazing. I love her. She has been editing my videos since day one, basically. And yeah, so, so grateful to have her because I know we would not be anywhere without such a good editor. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, I just love that technique too, of just fine, you know, not kind of putting traditional ways, like, yeah, I'll just put a, a post out on a job board and then you got to filter through a bunch of like editing reels and then also just like I don't know right. if that's the style I'm looking for but yeah just being able to go on YouTube the store I mean also it's like if you find if you're going on YouTube and then you're like well let me just find someone who's like likes the platforms already familiar with the platform and knows how to edit right. on the platform win-win right exactly and she does your illustrations too right your the sketches yeah she does all of the illustrations and the editing yeah yeah that's awesome um so since you've uh not what do we go nine months now that you've been uh posting videos almost seven months yeah seven, oh, seven mm -hmm. months okay uh so what's the uh, 10 sorry 10 oh 10 months oh, 10. um yeah what's the reaction been and how how how's it been going it's been going good like i'm again like i didn't want to focus on the views or the subscriber count or anything like that i've really been focused on more so the feedback from people who are watching the youtube videos um and the feedback's been amazing like i thought i was gonna get roasted i thought i was gonna get like the shiz roasted out of me and everything but i haven't received anything negative i'm sure it will come eventually i'm like bracing myself for it but it's been it was super nice, like complete strangers writing these like three to four sentence comments being like, this is so amazing. This is the best video I've seen on this topic. And like, oh, this is such an underrated channel. You should have 100,000 subscribers. I mean, that is for me the biggest indicator that we're on the right track and we should just keep going. It's very motivating. Um, I didn't expect it. Uh, so yeah feeling like really it, it keeps me definitely like okay there are people watching they enjoy it you know we have to keep going this is these are good signals <laughs> yeah for sure and i know you're not buried deep in the analytics um but have you found uh, people that find you through youtube are now going through your course or like kind of, or at least just leading to your to your material your website and your material yeah i haven't yeah like you said i haven't looked at the analytics too much but i do know one example of a girl who found me on YouTube, watched a video, and then she bought my course the next day. And she actually messaged me and she was like, I have never purchased something so fast before. And I had no idea who you were two days ago. And I was like, wow, it really goes to show how much trust video builds compared to anything else. Like I've never seen somebody buy, I think that fast in any other medium. Like there's no way you can build that kind of trust with like text, with audio, video is just something else. Yeah, I guess they find your channel and they kind of go down a rabbit hole and then it's like, 
oh, I feel like I've just been watching Daya for like an hour or two and I know this person. Yeah. And, and I know her. Yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> yeah. like a real person. She, I like the way she teaches or I like the way she talks. Like there's more of this somewhere probably. Let me go find out where the more is. So yeah, I, I'm very excited. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, what are, I know we talked about kind of some things you learned or mistakes made, but what are some other, like any like low points or lessons learned, things you have improved on lessons learned yeah so many definitely the scripting fully out reducing friction wherever you can like every single time anything feels difficult in my youtube process i'm thinking how can i get rid of it how can i make it easier how can i do it differently so that this doesn't suck as bad as it can um or as bad as it, as bad as it is <laughs> um other things that we've learned oh so many things i feel like um, we have been doing a lot more thumbnail work for sure. Like we have been, we've gone back to look at a bunch of our old thumbnails, compared the click through rates against other things. And now we're making new thumbnails for like the lowest click through rate videos. Um, and comparing if the click through rates are better and some of them are like doubling in click through rate because the old thumbnails were, and I kind of had a feeling, you know, they weren't super readable and all that stuff. But I was like, you know, in the early stages, and I also have to say this, like, if you're just getting started, you shouldn't be worrying about all this, like, fuss. Like, I think you should just get started and, like, put stuff out. And eventually you can come back and, like, analyze and everything. And I think if I had held myself back trying to get everything exactly right in the beginning, I would have never begun. So I'm really glad that I started and made these mistakes. But now I can go back and, like, try to fix the mistakes, try to optimize, um, make nicer thumbnails, make nicer, like, test different titles and everything. Um, yeah, we've also definitely been, like I mentioned, working so much more on title thumbnail and the first 30 to 60 seconds. So getting to things faster instead of in the beginning, I think when I first was making videos, I was more, I wanted to set the tone of the video a lot more. And I, so I, sometimes I would ramble a little bit on like the goals or like what we're going to learn and everything. And I think you just need to get into it quickly so that people see what, what's in it for them very fast. So that's definitely another big lesson learned. Um, yeah, recently I made a big list of things that I've learned. So let me pull that up. <laughs> uh, while you pull that you up, see that what post are in Slack? some of the things that yeah. you've, um, uh, what are some of the things you're, ch you're changing with the thumbnails or like, what are you like thinking about when you're designing these, yeah. new, these new thumbnails that are doubling your click? First rate? one is definitely readability. Like it just needs to, like, you need to zoom the image all the way out. So it's like this big, like how it is on mobile and just be like, can I actually read these words? Like, or do I have to squint? Like people aren't going to squint, you know? So that's the first one. And then colors, just making sure the colors are not hard to read again. Um, also not trying to fit the entire title on there, just like going for three to five words. And we've also, I'm testing this, not repeating the title in the thumbnail. So like if the title is like how to get referrals as a freelancer, we're not writing referrals as a freelancer on the title. We're like, we want to try something else or something like that. Um, so we're potentially going to experiment with that as well, just so it's like complementary one way or another. Like the title says what it is. And then the thumbnail like talks about an objection or like does something that would surprise them is controversial or something like that. Um, so I think that is working well um, from what we've seen at least yeah that's um yeah i think that i've been running through that myself of just like well yeah it's like the, the title always displays with the thumbnail and so if you're putting the title of the video in the thumbnail you are 
repeating yeah. the title and Race, really, wasting space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you could just be putting something more visual there instead yeah, of a bunch of text. For sure. Yeah. Okay. I found I found my list. Okay. What's so the, here what's are a few other it? things we've yeah. learned. <laughs> um, I'm also more focused now on structure than ever before. I'm al I've always been a very structured person. Like I like it when things are logical and they're like step one, step two, step three. And I think that is really important when you make YouTube videos is that you think through how or the, the flow of the information you're presenting in a way so that it is not overwhelming, that it is clear, it's succinct. So I'm always thinking like, what question might they have first? What's next? What's after that? Like, what do they need to understand before I can dive into this? Will they understand this concept if they don't understand this concept? Um, and so I think structure is really the most foundational thing you have to have in all of your scripts. So that's really important. Another thing we do now is after writing the final draft, I'll do another pass through and I will drop in personality and anything funny that I can include because at the end of the day, like we still want to be entertaining, not just pure value. Um, so that's something that I've also been working and thinking a lot about is like, how do we make things more personable? Like, because I so tend to veer into I want to give value. I, I don't want to waste people's time. So I better just like give them the information. But at the end of the day, like you don't want to be an instruction manual because nobody cares about who writes the instruction manual. They just care about the information in the manual. So I don't want that to be the case for me. I want them to care because it's me saying the information, not just for the information. So we're also thinking a lot about how can we add in personality? How can we add in jokes? How can we add in things in the background? How can we add in like little repeatable things that people can begin to associate with me and my videos um, and kind of like making little rituals for themselves or something. So that's something we're, we're thinking a lot about. Uh, How do you sure. think about the jokes or kind of just inserting personality? I mean, is it like uh, inserting like meme cutaways or like, uh, you know, some channels <laughs> have like styles of that, some... Yeah. You know, like, how do you, like, how do you, yeah, how do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I, well, I love memes. I love GIFs. Um, I don't do them on my channel because I'm not sure what the copyright stuff is related to that. But um, for me personally, it's like I write in things that I would say verbally to my best friend in a conversation, basically. It's like exactly my personality, but a little because sometimes when I'm like, I feel like, for example, on a podcast, I'm a little bit more serious and everything. But in the videos, I don't want to be super serious. Like I want to be maybe like. 80% of my normal serious level and then like 20% of how I am with my friends with people I'm super comfortable with and like cracking jokes and stuff like that or being dorky like that's fine too or like making bad puns you know accidentally messing something up you know that's really important for me to keep in there so I also tell that to my editor like if I mess up you know edit you can edit it in a way that's funny that makes fun of me like I'm fine with that um, because I think it's really important to have that personality in there. Do you think of it when you mentioned, oh, like uh, the jokes I would say with my friends, when you read through the script for that past, do you think of it of like how, uh, if I'm explaining this to my friend, how would I explain this and, and keep it lighthearted? Exactly. And that's why I think reading it out loud is so good because I'll read the script out loud word for word um, as if I was explaining the concept to somebody else that is curious about it. As if somebody's asking me, like, how do you get referrals as a freelancer? I'd be like, okay, so here's how blah, blah, blah. Step one, we definitely want to do this. Oh, but don't forget, you know, like, that's how I read it out loud. And then as I'm reading it out loud, I'll spot things that I would verbally say that is not in the script. And just, I mean, the script sometimes is just kind of dry. The first draft is like, just like pure dumping of information. Um, and then you have to make it a little bit more interesting. So that is how I make it. 
I hope interesting, but I mean, who knows? <laughs> Maybe it's still dry. <laughs> Um, and are you thinking about um, how people kind of flow through your videos, like linking, getting people to watch the next video, yeah. like tacking that on? So yes, that's something we're thinking about yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, that's something we're definitely thinking a lot about now, as well as we want to make things, we want to increase their like session time. Um, we know like YouTube wants to keep people on the platform as long as possible. So as much as you can do that, as much as you do that for them, they will recommend your stuff. Um, so we're thinking a lot about like, how can we make each episode, episode, each video lead to the next one? Kind of like how on Netflix, it's like, you know, if you have a cliffhanger, at least the next one, or like it opens a loop and you want to close the loop with the next video. So now, for example, I just recently came out with a, a kind of a, uh, it was supposed to be one video on Upwork, but then I realized actually we can make like six videos on this, on these different topics. And so we filmed these and basically at the end of each video, I am guiding them to the naturally next video they should watch. Like for example, I'll start with one video that's about like how to create a profile on Upwork. And then at the end of that, I'm like, now that your profile's all set up, you're probably wondering what you should, what kind of jobs you should apply for. You should definitely check out this video that where I explain which jobs you should look out for, which jobs don't you shouldn't apply for. And then at the end of that job, I'm like, now that you know which jobs you do to and not to apply for, you're probably wondering what to write in a proposal. So here's my proposal template in this next video. And then after that video, it's like, okay, so you you know what to write in proposals, but you definitely don't want to be making these big job proposal mistakes. So check out this video where we talk about seven mistakes. So like that's something we're testing now to see if that leads people into a flow. It's like a playlist, except you're opening the loop at the end of that video and then they can close the loop with the next one. Um, but we, we don't have the data yet on that, but I think it makes sense logically to me that that would guide people more to other content. Yeah, and it sounds like you're kind of thinking of it as like a, like a mini course. Yeah, exactly. Like and like mini course. Or right, right. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Let's hope. Let's hope people treat uh, it like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's cool. <laughs> so when you um, were thinking about that or making that, did you batch that? Were you just like, hey, we're going to like just do a, you know, let's just like crank out a bunch of scripts on Upwork. Like we know, like, you know, the structure and the flows. And then it's like, are you breaking that up into like, okay, we'll just do a video on this and this and this. And then we'll script them all and shoot them all. Yeah, actually, this is another tip that I... Um, definitely would give to somebody else's. I realized that as I was making videos, I started making bigger and bigger videos. Like in the beginning, I was aiming for like 15 to 20 minutes. And then as we know, it becomes like 20 to 30 minutes of videos because I wanted to pack everything into one place to make it as convenient as possible. So for example, when I came up with the Upwork idea, I was like, this needs to be the ultimate guide to like Upwork. Everything they could possibly need is in this one video. But that's not beneficial to them. It's not beneficial to you. And it's not beneficial to the search engine because people are not, like people are probably looking for more specific keywords nowadays. Um, and so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to like portion this into six videos. Like they don't know, right? And like, instead of aiming for 15 to 20 minutes, I started, I now aim for 10 to 15 minutes per video um, because then you also have to script less. Like I used to script three to 4,000 word scripts. And now I script like one to one to 2,000, ideally less than 1,500. Um, now it's like easier for me to script. The videos are shorter. Probably retention is better. People can go through them faster. It's not as overwhelming for them. It's just like a win-win for everybody. Um, and that is how I went about the Upwork one is I took the Upwork one and then I was like, here are the six sections I think we need in it. And then we made each section its own video instead of six sections in one video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, yeah, there's like kind of more entry points for people to get into. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and your like stuff of whatever they're looking for. Exactly. And like, uh, yeah, people could be Googling like Upwork, but like they're probably not. Like I know when I Google, I'm like how to write Upwork proposal or like how mm. to um, send job proposals on Upwork or how to make a good Upwork profile. Like I'm not just typing how to do Upwork or how to be good on Upwork or something like that. Like I think people are getting more intelligent with how they use search engines because there's so much content out there. So I think it's, it serves you best to be more specific. I'm also like always, like whenever I'm working in content, I always tell people you have to be specific because like I think it's, yeah, it's just, it's just beneficial for everybody if you're specific about what's in the content and mm -hmm. in the content itself, you're actually also specific. Yeah, and if it like speaks to them specifically, or it's like, oh, this is made for me. Like, yeah. not even like, uh, like, how do I write job proposals on Upwork? But like, how do I, how do I write graphic design job proposals on Upwork? Or exactly, design, exactly. Or like, yeah, exactly. it's like not. Yeah, it's like the, the the problems you have with Upwork, but then also like who the person is and what their yeah role is, and like, yeah, you can get really specific. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so what's the, you know, your years coming up soon with your, uh, YouTube experiment. So what, what are you going to kind of like, what's your retrospective going to look like and what's your, uh, you know, future plans, future goals with the, the channel? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's not even at the one year point. I feel like every week I'm learning something new about YouTube, um, and about myself in the process. Uh, so I feel like we're just constantly trying to iterate, I do think once we go into year two, we'll probably be more focused on optimizing things. In year one, I feel like we were just trying to, it's like, it's like pure survival mode. You're just trying to get videos out. You're just trying to be like this kind of, I don't know if this is good. I don't know what it is. It might suck. It, who cares? Do it, you know? Um, and we were trying our best too, you know? So like, we're still, we're just like, get it out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be perfect. Now that we're entering year two and I think there's less friction in the process, I think I can take more time to optimize for one. So that's something I definitely want to do more and like make better use of the time that we are spending on it. Kind of like front load the effort. Another thing I want to do is kind of what we talked about. I want to invite more personality to the platform um, and do more content that is maybe opinion based. Um, so for example, today I filmed a video that's like a book, kind of like business book club, like where I read books and then summarize the biggest takeaways for business people for business books. And it is partially also my opinion of like this, I really like, this is how I apply it in my business. This is what I do. This is what I would say if you were a freelancer, stuff like that. I want to do that where like I interlace the value and my own thoughts and experiences and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, I want to build something where people are building trust with me, not with, oh, Dea's good at research, you know? So that's something I need to, I want to keep my eye on and do way more about Dea mixed in there. Um, and Like commenting uh, or your thoughts on like other, like things that already exist or like a yeah, exactly. book and, that exists, but it's like, hey, here's my takeaway on the book. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know not just reporting, you know, like, I think that's the difference. Mm -hmm. It's like not just reporting on the facts, but like commenting and like, Oh, what? Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of stupid. Or like, I think that's great. Or here's an example of how I do this in my business, you know, so that it's establishing some sort of connection beyond this might be valuable information. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, someone else I had on the podcast, uh, Layla from process driven who does, it's kind of similar, um, thing. It's focused on like teaching people how to use ClickUp or mm -hmm. like how to build systems for ClickUp. Mm -hmm. 
similar backstory was like she was doing consulting and people were like, can you help my system? And she's like, I'm just going to teach you how to do it. And mm -hmm. that was a whole course and stuff. Um, but yeah, her channel, because she started off doing like ClickUp tutorials and then um, it kind of her channel kind of went to like another level when she did like a retrospective commenting on ClickUp's um, annual conference mm -hmm. where they kind of like released the roadmap and talk about stuff. And then she like did more of like a thought opinion piece on mm -hmm. like what she thought about it. And then that like kind of took her to like another level. It's not just like ClickUp tutorial person, but like right. ClickUp thought leader, ClickUp expert. Yeah, exactly. Process thought, thought leader. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a cool direction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Is there anything else we didn't talk about or you thought about before that we mm. didn't cover in YouTube or video yeah. in general? Um, one more thing that we definitely have mm -hmm. been doing. This is something I, I just like read this in my list of like lessons learned and I just reminded myself to do this again. But um, I cut so much more during scripting now than I ever did before. In the beginning, I would want to give them everything that I knew and like dump out my brain on this topic. Um, and I got pretty brutal feedback from somebody who said like, you repeat yourself too much. Um, and this was also the case when I first began and I didn't have a teleprompter. I would sometimes make my point a few times because I was trying to like make sense of it in my head as well. Um, as I'm scripting now, it can be, I like when I read it, if I, if I've already said any version of this sentence, I delete it. Anything that's not adding anything new to the conversation or interesting or anything, I just cut it super generously. Sometimes I cut entire paragraphs if they're not interesting, you know, or helpful in any way. So I think that is another big tip I would give to everybody else is just like be succinct, um, as much as you can. You can obviously ramble in your first draft, but like in that final draft is where I'm like starting to like delete all the stuff that doesn't absolutely have to be in there. I think that is good writing advice in general. Yeah, period. yeah for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I've just, yeah, you gotta, um, what is it? Kill your darlings. Mm -hmm. There's a writing. Phrase. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in this case it's, uh, yeah, they're not characters. They're just info about how to do business, uh, digital business management. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, cool, Dea. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. It was fun to talk about YouTube. Thanks so much for tuning in. Go follow Dea's YouTube channel at my name is Dea. That is also her Instagram handle. And you can find out more about her course at dbmbootcamp.com. We'll also have all that linked in the show notes at behindtheupload.com. If you made it to this point, then I'm going to assume you liked this episode. So please leave a five-star review and maybe a comment over on Apple Podcast. That is the best way to help this podcast grow. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode.